Ian McLean, founder of Flow Group and Greenline Conversations. This podcast has grown out of the chaos that's been thrust upon us, and in it, I share the best of 25 years of helping leaders in business organizations deal and cope with change. So, as you're out there, busy making sense of it all, trying to cope, and repurposing your organizations, I'm hoping that some of this will provide some help, some of the time. I'll keep it deliberately short, because I know you're busy. Let's dive in. The most valuable asset you have as a leader is time, because time is finite. It may be self-evident, but how you ration and spend that time is critical. And your overall effectiveness as a leader has time as its source code. This fact, that time is the only truly democratic resource, has been in my awareness ever since I can remember. So much so that it's where I began my professional career, running life and time management programs over 30 years ago. I really deeply understood the principles, took them very much to heart, and was very disciplined at applying them in my own life. Fast forward to the random present. Has this ever happened to you? You need to look something up. You reach for your mobile device, as we all do. You start opening the app or the browser. You then get distracted. So distracted, in fact, that you forget what you intended to look up in the first place. I ask the question, because this happens to me. It never used to, but it does now. And to many others, it seems, that I know. The shock for me is that I should, and do, know better. But as I also know, the longest distance in the world is the one between what we know and what we do. Because still, I find myself succumbing to distraction. And that's the topic for this episode. The age we live in now is a Garden of Eden of relentlessly tempting distraction. Yuval Noah Harari summed it up best when he said, the most scarce resource in the world today is attention. We live in an attention economy. Today is the moment in history where our ancient human biology is beset by 21st century technology. What's the outcome when they clash? Let's start with the biology. The human species is naturally wired to crave information because, as primates, gathering new information was once just as important as food, as staying alive meant remaining alert to any distraction. Staying too focused in the wrong situation could be fatal. Our biology's reward for being alerted by the new was a short dopamine hit. And the combination of survival, coupled with mood-boosting reward, makes us naturally ripe for distraction. Today, this feature is less of a feature and more of a bug. Because Q, the attention economy, and the 21st century technology that goes with it, where dark forces are at work 
to steal our attention away. No longer for the purposes of our survival, but for their commercial benefit. The best and the brightest minds are preying on your biological Achilles heel and are bent on seizing and sustaining your attention. In fact, there are only two businesses I know that call their customers users, and they are drug dealers and technology, and they're both in the addiction game. The increasing sophistication of digital marketing is disturbing. Go back 10 years, there were approximately 150 tools or technologies at marketers' disposal to catch and keep our attention. Today, that number has gone from 150 to 9,932. A simple example of what I mean by marketers' tools is the infinite scroll feature. This elementary, now quotidian feature, alone is estimated to keep you engaged on your device for 50% longer. Just that one simple hack. I can still remember clearly, not that many years ago, the chief product officer of one of the biggest global betting firms, describing gleefully at the relaunch of their mobile app, how their whole strategy for the app wasn't centered on content, it was just centered on one thing, keeping the user engaged. Now, not only was their gambling product addictive, but their app was too. This is just one company in a world of 250 million businesses. 150 million of those have a website. 70 million of them advertise online and spend over $620 billion per year for one thing, your attention and it's working. We've suddenly become the most interruptible society in history. We check our phones every 12 minutes and up to 150 times per day. And often it's the very first thing we do when we wake up in the morning. We can't stand on a coffee line without looking at the device. We check our inboxes constantly. We don't finish deep tasks without being taunted by our open Gmail tabs. When I was young, my grandfather used to bring me into the local town to do the weekly shop. He would drop me off at the amusement arcade while he did the messages. I still remember vividly the thrill of the fruit machines as I gambled my weekly pocket money. Today, we live surrounded by fruit machines. And I'm not even going to get started on AI. This fragmentation of our concentration means that we live in a permanent state of what Linda Stone <laughs> coined as continuous partial attention. The consequence for this, and to us, is a decreased ability to focus, lower productivity, increased stress levels, poorer relationships, and in one 2005 study at the London Institute of Psychiatry, an actual reduction in our IQ. So how did we get here? The answer is, as Hemingway once said about a, how a character went bankrupt, gradually 
then suddenly. So much so that a 2010 Harvard study determined we spend nearly half our working hours thinking about something other than what we are doing. So as a leader, against this backdrop of Dungeons and Dragons, how do you get the most from that most precious commodity at your disposal? Time. In a nutshell, being most effective with the time that you have involves the ability to accomplish or what Cal Newport describes as deep work. That is, the ability to access a state of flow to achieve optimal output. In the modern attention economy of perma-distraction, winning is less about what you focus on and more about what you ignore. Think about it. In a world where elongated time spent in flow is increasingly difficult to obtain, the ability to access it then suddenly becomes a competitive advantage. Flow is not a binary on-off state. Getting into flow involves a four-phase cycle. And the first cycle in the cycle is called the struggle phase. In the struggle phase, our brain is adjusting itself to the task at hand. Neurochemically, the effort creates discomfort, and the discomfort brings with it a powerful natural urge to distract ourselves with a short dopamine hit in the early minutes of starting the task. I'll bet you can identify with this. As it's a reflex action, most knowledge workers succumb to the urge and, as users, reach for the hit. Check my messages, scroll my newsfeed, visit the favourite sites. After the momentary fix, they return to the task. Rinse and repeat. However, each time they are resetting to the start of the struggle phase, which induces more stress and makes it even harder to resist the urge to self-distract next time. Most people, sadly, spend entire careers dipping in and out of the struggle phase and never persist long enough to break through into flow. They give in to the temptation of one marshmallow instead of holding on long enough for the reward of two. The most sinister aspect of this habitual self-defeating cycle is that every time you distract, it takes up to 23 minutes to get back to the main course. If time is truly your most valuable resource as a leader, can you really afford this consistent malpractice in your life? So, how do you manage to persist through the struggle so you can be rewarded with the ease and productivity of flow on the other side? From amongst the forest of obvious useful hacks you will get from any search engine, leave smart devices outside the room, turn off notifications and alerts, etc. Manage your physical environment, have a plan, etc. There are two things that will make the most fundamental shift towards helping you ignore distractions. The first is what I describe as return to the mantra. Let me explain. Many years ago, I was taught a transcendental meditation practice to quieten the mind 
I was given a mantra to silently repeat. As sure as breath itself, every time I practiced or tried to, my thoughts began to wander from the mantra. At first, this induced anxiety. For no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't stop my mind from wandering. This anxiety triggered a spiral of worry that I would never succeed in mastering the technique. Ironic, given I started the practice to reduce anxiety, not increase it. It was then my very wise teacher, Judy, intervened. Accept that your thoughts deviate from the mantra. This is natural and normal. Instead of resisting, simply observe that it is happening. And don't judge. Observe. Don't judge. Then simply return to the mantra. It was sage advice. It's precisely the same rhythm and advice for deep work and distraction. First, accept and welcome the urge in the struggle phase. Know that it's natural. Simply observe that it's happening and realize that that's okay. Once you've acknowledged the urge, then make the choice to return to the mantra, or in this case, the task. The power here lies in the fact that you are making the choice. You are observing the temptation and choosing to resist it. By consistently observing the temptation, then returning to the task, two things happen. Firstly, you more quickly break through into the flow state and supercharge your productivity, but also you strengthen the mental muscle that makes it easier to resist temptation next time and the time after that, until this response becomes your habit and not perpetual distraction. As Jim Rohn describes it, success is simple disciplines repeated on a regular basis. Failure is simple disciplines neglected on a regular basis. The second fundamental for allowing deep work to flourish and avoiding distraction is monotasking, or what Brian Tracy calls single handling. In meditation, you have one mantra, not two or five. It's seductive to think that we can multitask which offers the illusion of being more productive and getting more done in the time. Many people believe they can multitask, even brag about it, but it is a perceptual glitch. Oliver Berkman, the English journalist, describes it, what better way to try to resist the truth of having limited time than pursuing a huge number of tasks and projects at once? The plain fact is that the human brain cannot parallel process. And what we are actually doing when we think we're multitasking is switching attention from one task to another in rapid succession. This only serves to do a few things. Reduces speed, reduces accuracy, it increases errors, and it diminishes the work quality. We regularly host a live simulation in our workshops that proves this conclusively, to the grave disappointment of the proud multitaskers. Shifting attention from one task to another is just another form of self-distraction and guarantees you still never reach 
the flow state of optimal performance. So, in summary, choose your most important task and begin to focus. As the urge to self-distract inevitably rises, observe and acknowledge it, but don't judge it. Or don't judge yourself. Instead, choose to return to the task at hand. Persist with this and you'll soon find yourself in the flow state. Stay with it until the task is complete. Then repeat the cycle with the next task and the next. Finally for this episode, while time is the most democratic and precious resource available to a leader, the value leaders get from it is not equal. So, may the force be with you in combating the evil agents of distraction out there and may it keep you away from the dark side. Until next time, stay safe, stay sane, stay connected. If you enjoy the podcast and you'd like to learn more about how we can help you as a leader or your organization, just simply connect with me on LinkedIn and I'll take it from there.